Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Voices on the Side with me, Leah Kim. This is part two of my conversation this week with Ruby Shang Nichols. We have been talking about the wellness industry and the places that we see problematic appropriation, watered down understanding of ancient practices and kind of like a misuse of terms. A big one we get into is this concept of love and light and what that really means especially during these times when so much of our world is suffering. It's been a bit surprising to see, or rather hear, or rather not really hear, voices in these spaces where, you know, the point of the work that people who are healers or yoga teachers, any sort of job where the idea is to support each other, you know, all of humanity and um, just recognizing that there are so many that are silent. It's a tough thing because we also realize that we have shifted into a deeper understanding of the problematic systems that we all live in and we all have various privileges within, we all uphold in different ways. And the design of these systems is such that unless we are actively working to dismantle and actively doing our part to pick the path that really moves us towards true equality and equity, um, we are part of the problem. It's new for a lot of us. We are learning as we go. A good friend of mine recently said, you're riding the bicycle as you build it. And I thought that was a really good analogy and it does feel like that sometimes. We're all going to make mistakes, but there has to be room for those mistakes. And I love this about my friend Ruby, that she reminds me personally, because I tend to go into extremes when I feel really passionate about something and not always in a good way. I can become obsessed with trying to figure out a problem when, you know, it's a situation where there's no easy solution. You know, I will lose sleep. I will deny myself of anything remotely joyful because of the Western guilt that I hold, you know, because it's just, it it seems that it's pure luck and chance in a way that certain people are born in this part of the world and other people are born in that part of the world. And um, it's a tough thing to carry, but um, Ruby is always reminding me, and she reminds us in this episode that joy is our resistance. And I think that's really important to, to remember. So I hope you will enjoy this continuation of my conversation with Ruby. There's something about the invisibility, particularly of Asians. Yeah, it's just a very specific kind of pain, I think. And, and you know, this has come up multiple times, I think, in our conversations. And it's and I want to be clear every time it comes up, it's not about comparing. This is not about, again, it's not about like oppression Olympics and like who has it worse. It's not about that. It's just sort of an observation because it's something I've internally been working through on a deep level. Um, it's just how things are maybe slightly different, right. Um, between different groups, like racial groups. So like, and I think because I'm married to a black man, I obviously think of that often, right. Like how they're, how we're similar and how things might be a little different. And I don't know. I just, I, I've been the wound of sort of like invisibility 
and just not even being seen at all, <laughs> literally as if, as if you don't exist to have your existence, not even be like acknowledged, I think feels very kind of specific to Asian groups, probably especially in America where, you know, we were again, just assimilate, assimilate, like, because, you know, it's, to me, it's like, again, if you want to like, think about it, you know, maybe with, I feel like with, um, African-Americans and black people, it's like there it's been very, um, people are very like out (laughs) with it. Right. And so it's one thing to be like outwardly, obviously even hated, right. And targeted, which they are very targeted. And then for, I, then I feel like for Asian people, it's almost like this unspoken, you know, thing where they're actually, they do harbor (laughs) that same hatred. Um, but I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this. I I don't think I'm articulating it well, but I think like, well, there's something because black, let's just use black people, um, black, a group, like as a group, as like a comparison to Asian people, yeah. like black people are very open. They're, they have a very undeniable history in America and they cannot hide at all their skin color or who, where they come from. It's, yeah. There's no, you know, it's out there. Um, and they haven't been afforded yeah. like this model minority categorization that Asians have. So there's this, yeah. that's, which is obviously racism at its worst and is terrible. The thing that I have seen and always been envious of is the way the black community has and I mean, I'm only speaking in sweeping generalizations, but from my perspective, outsider perspective, like they look out for each other in a, in like a more fierce way, yeah. a more outspoken way, because they have, they've had to, right? Like they have to. And there's like little yeah. things I see, like just little re- like recognition of like, when the black person passes on a black yeah. person on the street and maybe mm-hmm. they are cousins or, but maybe oftentimes I really do think they're strangers, but there's this sort of like, Hey brother, Hey brother, or like kind of, you know, there's that, like, there's this like, yeah. yeah the And like, and like the, I see you in this space and I got you. And I feel like Asians haven't had that because of the whole stay quiet, you know, and it's also built regardless yeah. of American culture, it's built into a lot of Asian, um, just like how, what we're, what's expected of us, the hierarchy of like silence is built into like family, you know, just yeah. like if you're a kid, you don't, yeah. you don't like challenger the grownups like mm-hmm. in Korean culture. Yeah. Korean culture has a full on way of speaking. There's whole different, yeah. like there's a whole different like grammar level for when you're speaking to the elders, you know, mm-hmm. and like same with Chinese people. Yeah. 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 And it's so that's one of the reasons why I get really nervous speaking Korean because especially if I meet like a Korean um America Korean Korean mom or something on the playground, but in here in New York, and I'm like, oh wait, do I speak casual because we're probably the same age? Or do I speak honorific right. because we're strangers? Like I don't know what the cultural expectations are. I know. And it could be so disrespectful. Yeah, when you yeah. Like, like I don't want to insult, but then I always land on they know I'm American, so they're not going to take it personally. But I still feel, you know, I have that pressure on myself. But there's this like yeah. going back to the invisibility thing, 
it's a function of keeping us invisible because it keeps us weaker. If, if we are not seen and we don't even see each other, we're not taught to look out for each other, like, like black community. And, you know, again, like that comes out of a necessity to keep safety. But I think the lack of that is really what led to those, the years during the pandemic with the massive rise in hate crimes against the Asian community. Um, and it was only, uh, it often takes like terrible things for people to be like, put down our own drama, our own wounds or, you know, just be like, wait, 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 wait. The thing that's happening out here is way bigger than my fear. Like I, when I talk to you a lot about lately, it's like my fear of confrontation, you know, just like to speak up, but we've, it's like when you're treated like you are invisible, then how, well, you're just like, what the point, what, 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 there's no point in Protect me saying like anything because you're not going <laughs> to hear me because I'm invisible. Right. Like, yeah. 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 I just think there's a, it's to me, it's like, it's such a specific pain to just not even exist in somebody's, in someone else's eyes, you know, that's so, and I, and I even spoke to, about like how I even feel like in Chinese culture, there's, you know, you know how you can tell so much about a culture by the language because, because different cultures have different words for things that maybe another culture doesn't even have, or it's like such a nuanced thing. And I was thinking about how, like, I know for Chinese people, there's a very specific word for like bitterness would be the closest translation. It's like bitter or bitterness, but just like that, that overwhelming feeling of like, it's just such a deep, like to me, it's a result of such a deep, like repression <laughs> of everything, all of your feelings, because it's like, at the end of the day, it's, it's because we don't feel like it matters. You know, it's like, why I'm not even going to say, I can't express this thing. I'm not, I'm not even going to bother to say this or express it because it won't be heard. It won't be received. It won't be witnessed. It doesn't fucking matter. And that is like, so it kills me when I think about it. And I look at like all the dramas, like the Chinese, you know, soap operas and dramas, it's all the same. It's like that same feeling of just like deep repressed bitterness, like such sadness. <laughs> and I think it carries, you know, like that I think is already rooted like in our culture. And then even, even if we're raised here, right. Or born here, it's from our immigrant parents and all that. So it's like, we already have that. And then I feel like, I feel like the, just the environment here and what we had to do to further assimilate and further like deny <laughs> ourselves and our culture just feeds into that, right? It like amplifies the the, the wound that's already there. So I don't know. I, I just, I had some really <laughs> deep heartbreaking like moments last year where I was just like, wow, that it just really sucks to feel like you don't even exist like to other people. I don't even matter enough for you to hate me <laughs> outwardly. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like that's what, that, I think that's what I'm at the root of it. But at the end of the day, like all of it's weird, it's complicated because that's also an illusion because as we saw with COVID and the Asian hate crimes, like it does exist. We are hated, <laughs> but it's almost like it's that thing maybe where it's like, maybe it's because we're not seen as a threat that like people don't bother. People don't bother to like, but, the, but then when COVID happened, we were seen as a threat in a different way. <laughs> and so it was instantly like, oh yeah, like you're disposable too. We don't care about I think it was like the, again, going back to this idea of like the audacity of people to attack like Asian elderly um, in broad Elders. daylight, yeah. you know, 
right outside their homes or even all kinds of Asian people just in like really public spaces, like on the subway. And um, I had a friend of mine who is like a young, fit male, you know, and he was attacked twice. I mean, thankfully he's okay in Manhattan on just yeah. like broad daylight with lots of people. And like, yeah. it, it, it's like the audacity of the attacker to obviously that person is hateful and criminal and whatever, but they also knew like, eh, probably nobody's going to do anything if I attack this Asian person, you know? Yeah. That was a big thing too, was seeing how much it just happened without people stepping in. There were, there were so many, I have, I have um friends who, they weren't attacked viciously, you know, so they didn't file any police reports, but they were scared. They were threatened. I had, um, there was like a mom friend at school who multiple times for some reason, uh, she's, she's quite, she's short. So I wonder if that's why she had this experience a few times. Like she looked like an easier target, but, um, like she like had her mask okay, yeah. like ripped off her face more than once, just like walking down the street in New York city and just Bad? like, and she's not going to report that, right? Like she's not going to report. Oh, but that feels so like violating and obviously scary. What's she going to do? Like call the New York NYPD and be like, somebody just like try to take a map. Yeah. So my point is just like how many more of these hate crimes actually yeah. happened that weren't reported because it didn't result in someone's face getting oh. slashed or someone dying. But like, it is a very- acid getting thrown on the face. Jesus. Yeah. I mean, it's like real. And so- like the whole invisibility thing, like, yes, we are treated that way, but we know we know the hate is there because the, those last few years proved it. And we know like racism exists because duh. Um, so it does no good for us to be silent, to not speak up, you know? It is so uncomfortable though, because it goes against everything that we've been taught everything that is in our DNA, you know, to just like not say stuff. Yeah. And I think like that comes up a lot with there's that activist that we both follow now, YK Reborn. And um, they are a, I think they're Korean American. I'm pretty sure they're Korean American. Um, and their focus has been on anti, like taking on anti-Blackness within the Asian community and I think it com it's coming up again with current events, like wondering why we're not hearing as much. And I think that gets into this thing of like, should we really be focused on policing the way people are voicing whatever their opinions are that's happening? You know, it gets really complicated and like, we don't want to waste all our energy just like pointing fingers at other people. But like, I think there is a tie-in to other communities that are not speaking up, including taking it back to our, you know, our wellness or spiritual industry of, you know, all these people who are all about one love, yeah. uh, peace everywhere, um, light, light, light and love. And yeah, you know, and just the hollowness mm -hmm. of preaching these things mm -hmm. when terrible things are happening in the world and you and I are not historians or politicians or you know nor do we share any identity with anyone that is currently going through 
crisis, but we're able to like notice the silence <laughs> within our community. And yeah, definitely. We were talking about this right the other day and it was like, okay, it's not about policing Mm-hmm. how people are going to advocate for humanity okay it's like we we are doing our best and messing yeah. up i'm sure i'm messing up most of the time but um there's like <laughs> such a hypocrisy in being like mm-hmm. namaste okay even just saying namaste it's <laughs> the anglicized understanding of it is the light in me sees love salutes respects the light mm-hmm. in you i.e. all of humanity so um mm-hmm. what about when humanity is in crisis um right. wh- just right. like lo- what, what is right. what is this whole thing of love and light it feels like such bs right and you got some really interesting messaging about oh. light coming up during yeah. the darkest times mm-hmm. and how it's about mm, yeah. finding light in darkness. And I remember my first thought was like, wait, but when something really bad is happening, like really dark is happening, where the hell could there be light? And is that just spiritual bypassing? Is that just like love and light BS? And you explained it in a really beautiful way. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So so much to say around this whole topic. But the first thing I will say say that I think is so important because it came through the records as well. And it really enlightened me in some way where, you know, it's hard because I always say now too, love and light, love and light is like the new thoughts and prayers, right? It's like, it's hollow. It doesn't mean shit because when literal actual babies and children are being like (laughs) murdered, you got nothing to say. Like your love and light ain't doing shit if you're not doing shit else. At At the very least speaking on it or acknowledging it's happening. So anyway, there's that, but I received the message and I struggle, right? Just like you said, for these reasons, like I struggle with that phrase often, but it's, it's used all the time in the spiritual wellness community, light, 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 light. And I think the message I got was like, it has been, it's been misused and sort of not corrupted, but just misused where they were saying, actually, when we say light, the definition of light is simply awareness. It's knowledge and awareness it's like, we mean it. They're like, we mean light in terms of bringing something to light. (laughs) That's why when we say like looking for light in the darkness, darkness is when it's light is literally consciousness. Then if you think about it, it's just bringing consciousness to something. So it's like when you're looking for something, especially when things are hard or, um, bad, you know, seemingly negative things are happening. It's often because there's some lack of awareness or consciousness about something, um, and then often through going those through those experiences, it brings things to light that we maybe weren't aware of before. And if you look at that in the context of everything that has been unfolding, even collectively in the world, right, especially since 2020, it is all about that. It's also it's why they're so intricately connected, like you can't even separate the two if you look at it that way. Um, because it brings the reason we're seeing so much of it. It's like, it's like bringing all these things to light that by the way, we're always there. That's the irony, right. Of everything unfolding. It's like, we're realizing shit, all this stuff has been happening forever, (laughs) literally under our noses. And we were just like too blind too like oblivious (laughs) to even see it, but it brings like all these things to light. And so they're so intertwined because in a way we, the experience of it can feel so dark. (laughs) 
the experience of it is like, oh my God, this is fucking horrible, awful. And yet it's almost that thing, right? Of like, nothing's actually changed except our awareness. Yeah. And that is what they mean by light. (laughs) It has just been misinterpreted and misused as like, Good vibes only. <laughs> yeah, it's been bastardized. Like everything, everything else, everything else within these practices that are appropriated and yeah, um, watered down and commodified and by white people. Like we, it has to be said, right? That's what's happened to a lot of it when it gets bastardized and corrupted and misinterpreted. And like, it's not, it's not good vibes only. It's far from that. You know, it's it's not about staying positive all the time. It's not just about protecting your positive energy, like through all of this. No, it's actually looking directly in the eyes of darkness to find some light. It's like, what am I learning from this? What am I gleaning about this? Well, and also like the concept, just like basically of like, well, you can't have light without darkness and vice versa. Like they, they need each other to exist. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And so, um, but yeah, I think it, when you were, when you explained that, like, no, no, it doesn't mean light as in just everything is good. You know, it's like, it means literally like shining light on an area that is dark. Like it is dark in this space. I'm going to shine a light on it and become more aware of it, like understand it better, learn about it or whatever it is. And yeah, like that made so much sense. And my brain didn't automatically go there, you know, because I'm, I, I have that like brainwashing of, well, when people say light, light, love and light and all that, like it, they're just trying to force positivity, um, toxic positivity on the situation. I think that is how, and so I immediately like reject it because I think, yeah, most of what we see or I I do think it is the leading sort of perspective within the industry is one of like, oh, no, no, let's not talk about like what's like dark or um, negative or scary or sad or, you know, like. God forbid I disrupt my my positive energy and my positive vibes because that's how manifestation works. Like all those things, right? This is the problem with like, okay, so obviously like I do not know everything about like ancient Eastern practices, but like, if I talk in, if I can think about it in like a generalization, if we take masks, mask wearing during the pandemic and how Asia was often used as like this case study of, Hey, less disease spreads when people wear masks, like, and Asian people just pre COVID would do that if they had to go out and they had a cough, yeah. they wear a mask yeah. or because of smog, they wear a mask to protect themselves and other. It was just like this basic kind of like looking at um, a person's decisions from like taking into account how they're going to impact society and then trying to layer that, bring that into American individual focused society totally didn't work, right? Like people were mad, mad about like yeah. their rights when when the uh, CDC said that everyone had to wear masks, right? People were like, I refuse, you know, <laughs> like I, it's just like, yeah, my, you're, you're right. Like we're trying to keep you safe too, you know, like, but this whole. I know because it's like inconvenient or whatever. It's infringing on their freedom. It's not even, it's, not even, it's just like, it's, it's like, a, it's just like everybody is brainwashed, I feel like. And so I think there's an American brainwashing of 
uh, like the individual, right? It's all about individual success, rights, blah, blah, everything. Um, and so you take something like yeah. a spiritual practice from the East and which mm. developed, I, I yeah. again, like, I can't speak to like all the deep history and everything through all the lineages. But like, if you know, if you understand this like group mentality of um, Asian Eastern cultures, and then the practices that would have come out of there probably also are born of that like group society benefiting mentality and then it arrives in <laughs> the ultimate country of colonialism and capitalism i was listening to a podcast earlier today that referred to the biggest bully in the world i.e america i was like oh yeah that that's that's accurate right oh my god so like these practices come here yeah. and it, they're like manipulated to serve individual purposes right. so to take a concept of namaste, which at its core is like saying, we're the same. We are human. I see your yeah. humanity and I yeah. love your humanity. That's what you're mm -hmm. saying when you say namaste, right? Like, but you take that and <laughs> serve yourself with it. Oh, it's my, it's my me time. It's my self-care. It's my good right. vibes. It's my right like social media right. um, break because my mental health, it's my, you know, and like, it's confusing because yes, everybody should take care of themselves. It is important, but it's like, you took that idea and you're really running with it to the point where it's just about the individual. It's just about like, well, yeah. and that's why people came at Selena Gomez so hard, right? Because she's got what, 430 million followers. She has the ability to really make an impact with whatever she says. And I mean, who knows? There sounds like there's a lot of forces that are controlling her, but like when she came and was like, Oh, I'm, I, my, I'm, I'm sad. So I'm, I can't say anything. I'm leaving like, yeah, no shit. You should be sad right now. Like this is like whatever quote side you're on, we should all be sad for the state of humanity. Right? Like yeah. that is a normal response. That is not like mm -hmm. a, Oh no, I'm sad. I need to go and, um, do all these practices to not be sad. Like what? No, like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And I think the difference in everything you're saying is like the difference is people starting to put my well, my wellness, my happiness, my well-being, it's it's above yours or above everyone else's. I think that's a difference, right? A core difference of the whole individualistic culture is like, well, mine just matters more than yours. <laughs> you know, it's more valuable than yours. So I'm gonna do what I what's best for me. And then yeah, the whole the whole Selena thing. I mean, I think. Yes. It, it read as a complete cop-out because it's like, you basically use your influence on everything else. You've basically acknowledged how influential of a figure you are in everything you created. That's why you created it because you know that you can make a difference. And then to come here and say, and then suddenly be like, well, one post that I made, I know that nothing I do is going to make a difference is like essentially what her post is saying. I'm sorry that my, you know, why my one post or my words just aren't going to matter. It's not going to make any difference. Like, of course, it's a. It just seems like a complete cop out. I think this is what we see through the wellness industry is this like, it's again the hypocrisy. It's the like because I really I don't I don't know too much of her music, but I really like I have liked 
um, when she's taken a stand for her mental health and when she's taken a stand for her, the criticism that she's gotten for being in the public eye and like people have no business criticizing like, you know, the size of her body or whatever she looks like or whatever her personal life decisions are. Like I've always felt like, yeah, she has a right to stand up for herself. And um, I really thought she was bright quote brave for speaking to that but when it gets uncomfortable inconvenient um when there's no direct benefit to you to say this is when you're like mm, no and that's what i feel like is happening throughout the wellness world which is like wait 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 wait, wait. you're all about like love and spreading positivity and, and like look and and humanity and namaste and oh uh, you know like connection to nature right when it makes <laughs> right when it makes you money <laughs> you know i mean and i i feel like it's the perfect time to mention i don't know if we want to do it by well we should do it by name probably i don't know how to pronounce actually her video but there was that you know Nailey the by nature nearly by nature but her video just, it spoke so deeply to me because she basically called out. She was like, you know, the reason the spiritual and wellness community is so silent right now, especially the white wellness community is so silent is because they thought, you know, they thought the great awakening of humanity would center them as essentially the white saviors. I, it's like, I thought I was going to be, we going to be the one, we were going to be the ones to come in and spread our light. <laughs> And every and just enlighten everybody because I'm as the guru, you know, as the leader. And it just it, hearing that was like, oh my God, like, yes, a thousand percent yes. That is at the center of why so many are silent and uncomfortable and frankly, probably annoyed. You know, they're just like, oh, just like I want this thing to pass already so I can get back to like being the white, being the savior that I am or being the guru again. And it's like, See, I don't even I don't really follow <laughs> people in that industry anymore because of my like exodus from it, you know, like a few years ago when I was just like, oh, I can't, I can't, I feel like I'm suffocating in this, in this world. And I, so I don't even, I'm not, I don't even really know what they're saying. But when I saw that video, I was like, eh, that, that tracks, <laughs> like, I'm sure that may, you know, yeah. And, um, it's totally it. Because it's the light worker thing. I mean, I just I have to say it because that term light worker has been such so widely used in the community. And it's essentially the concept of a light worker is like, oh, I'm we are one of the souls that came here at this time. And I get it. And it's like, it's again, it's a hard thing. It's so not black and white. You don't want to pull out a pendulum to see if they're telling you the truth. Oh, wait, hold on. Let me see your light worker. Hmm. No, my pendulum says no. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, it's like. There is, there's some level of it or parts, pieces of it that do resonate. I'm not completely bashing that thing, right? It's like, okay, I do feel like part of my purpose is whatever to do this part, this particular work in the world, but there it's easy to spin that and make it so self-important, right? And this message has also come through many times of like, okay, like people who identify as light workers, like we are the souls who came here to basically save humanity. <laughs> it's like, like it could be spun that way and become so self-important that way where maybe it's more like, oh, part of my purpose in this lifetime is, to, is like to do healing work, you know, to help people heal, which by the way, there've been healers <laughs> on the planet forever, you know, <laughs> but it can easily spin. I feel like the white wellness world so easily spins it into 
I'm here to save the world. Because it goes to the filter of American values, which is rooted in capitalism, right? Like it's rooted in stealing, whether it's like practices or land or food. Like I talk, I've, I've talked about this a lot, like, but with kimchi in particular, it's so baffling to me because I spent my entire childhood being made fun of when people came over and smelled kimchi in my house. Because kimchi is very, my mom used to make it from scratch. And then your house just smells like that forever. Even if it's in the refrigerator, you open it, it's like, you know, then those people now are like (laughs) superfood, fermented cabbage, yay. And like, I know (laughs) it's it's difficult because uh, that person who is now like obsessed with, with kimchi, maybe never made fun, that individual never made fun of, me or another Korean person back in the day. But it's just like the, there hasn't, I think like what we, what feels icky to use your word from before is like, there's been no real like deep repair or acknowledgement or just being like, it just continually getting shoved into invisibility and silence, you know? And, and we see now- the huge issues that causes to allow that to happen and to just be like, oh, I'm uncomfortable talking about it or, oh, I don't know how to talk about it. Or like, And we have to like start somewhere. And I think that's why you've been sitting on, you've been sitting on a lot of your thoughts for like over a year or whatever is because even though you want to, it's like, how do I even, yeah. you know? And and how do I make it? You're also, I think I do this, but yeah. like preemptively worrying about like, with, oh, and I was going to say about the um, affirmative action when it was like reverse racism, you know, that was like, do you remember like the, <laughs> you're accused of reverse oh. racism if you, if yes. you like, if you talk about it and you're like, no, yeah. what? No, oh but you know, it's, it's the gaslighting. That's right. Bullshit. Like yeah. it's the constant gaslighting. Oh God. Of yes. The gas and I, even, you know, like I, and so my husband is white yeah. and we have over the years, I'm sure the conversations you and your husband have, we've had like the opposite because you have like an inherent understanding when you speak, which is why he's able to be like, Oh yeah, that sounds like, you know, right. And, um, bullshit. <laughs> and it's the opposite with my husband, you know, because he's not, he, he doesn't move through the world with those experiences. And also he is not racist in the way of like, we're all racist. I feel like I, I've, I've taken to saying that we're all racist because we all see color. You can't not, but he's not obvious. He's not like actively white supremacist in any way, you know? So, so instantly when I try to talk about something where it paints white people as a whole in a bad light, he feels like, wait, 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 wait. You're, you know, like he's made comments before of like, well, not all, oh no, actually when I said something about, I can't even remember, but something positive about a white person, he, he'll be like, see, we're not all bad or something like that. And I'm like, Uh, I know you're not all bad. Like I may, you know, like obviously, but those conversations are just so difficult because like we're all, not only are we trying to find our voices to explain deep wounds, fears, anger, 
Yeah. But like, we're also trying to like offset, like Mm -hmm. hurting your feelings or being reverse racist (laughs) or, and I think like the gaslighting is part of keeping it all quiet to Mm -hmm. not disturb and disrupt the system. Yes. A thousand percent. And yes, I know we wanted to like speak to the gaslighting because I think, and this is why it is such a complicated topic. Like, you know, obviously even with everything we're going through right now, right. With Israel and Palestine and all these things. And it just, it keeps coming up, right. Of like, oh, the silence is deafening from certain groups of people. And we we talked about this earlier. It's like, there's a reason why certain groups of people are expected to speak up in these times, right? If you say that you're about this or your life's work is about this, like you should be saying something. So again, I mean, this is why in the, in the spirituality wellness world, like I guess it's been complicated. And part of the reason I sit on it is like, yes, number one, we don't necessarily always need to be policing how everybody is showing up or not, or what they're saying Two, there's the whole thing. And I feel like this is a complicated topic because I think it gets turned around and used against us often is the whole, like the divisiveness thing, the playing into the division. And so I've been sitting with this a lot because it's interesting because this is, this is a topic I've spoken on a lot because it has come through so strongly. And I know that it is a huge part of our like collective lesson as human beings right now is the whole, like the whole, like not, you know, not seeing everything as binary, the the whole polarization thing that just like causes further division. But I feel like that's now sometimes being used as an excuse now to like, not say anything Mm. because I don't want to play into the divisiveness. Right. And I guess my, my sort of response to that is you don't have to pick a side. I don't feel like I had to pick a side or something to to say something, just to acknowledge, to even acknowledge that this shit is happening and it's not okay. And we got to like figure something out. We got to work together to figure out another way. Like mm-hmm. that's not picking a side, you know? Like there's a way to do that. And so that's another way, like speaking to the whole thing about like giving people free passes. Like I've been sitting with this because again, a lot of white presenting wellness, like spirituality coaches and mentors that I've personally worked with, who I deeply respect, who have been like so helpful for me and amazing mentors. Like I've been, you know, just observing in these times how they've been responding. And most of the time it's to not even acknowledge, it's just, it's not responding, (laughs) it's silence, right? It's not acknowledging. And I guess as, as a person of color or as somebody who has been oppressed in any way to see that it just is a a further form of gaslighting because of the long history of the fact that we have lived forever with people telling us like what we are feeling isn't even real. You know, it's like, it's not valid. (laughs) Oh, it's not as bad as you say it is because I don't see it. We hear that all the time, constantly. And it's, again, it's like another way to silence us, right? Like, or to make us think we're crazy, which is what gaslighting is. And so I just, I can't help but take it or interpret it as any other way than like, it's just another form of gaslighting when you can't even acknowledge that this shit is happening. Like you don't even see it. And lo- that even touches on the invisibility thing, right? And that's that's maybe a more personal wound as an Asian person, as we've been talking about. It's just another way we feel invisible. And this is also why I think people of color so identify 
with the plight of everything happening with Palestinians right now. And I know we don't want to fully go into this <laughs> or that wasn't the purpose of this, but like you can't help but see and feel the similarities and the parallels here, you know, and I was going to say it earlier, but like, it's also hard not to notice that a lot of these celebrities or people that are coming under fire. So many of them are white presenting, <laughs> you know, like I can't help but notice that. And it's like, well, I'm just looking at yeah. kind of facts here in that sense, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, I think that's, so yeah. Then how anyway. <laughs> do we as just mere mortals, <laughs> not, not celebrities with 430 million followers, um, you know, but people right. who do feel a deep connection to our humanity, which includes our spirituality and, you know, for, yeah. for you, especially doing the direct work that you do trying to support people in this way, how do we, like, how do we make sure to, in our like small day-to-day -day actions, just do live, live in the, in like the most, I don't even know what the word is, like just in the way that like our most ideal principles of what we believe in like how do we yeah how do we honor that uh, and how do we make sure that, that we're not also because like I think when we have been asleep in you know in the dark or quiet mm -hmm. and you know denying like denying what we are feeling like unconscious about it in doing that we yeah. were unknowingly perpetuating right so yeah, which right. is why I got that message right. of like, you can't so just keep how giving free passes, like, not helping anyone. I don't want to do that, right? Like, so I, if when I look back at like leaving teaching yoga, um, and it was complicated for many reasons, mm -hmm. but a big reason was like, I don't want to add, I don't want to add to this like problematic industry, but can we as people who... Yeah are like trying to preserve the sanctity of these practices and to not make it all about our individual ascension or whatever. Can we still be a part of it without like perpetuating all the BS? Yeah. I mean, it's a great question that I don't think there's a simple answer to, but all I can say is like, that's exactly why I'm doing what I'm doing because it's almost like you just got to try. And I think at this point, like, you know, it's, it's hard and it's very uncomfortable. I think taking this road and trying to honor the integrity, right. Of our values and doing it in a way that actually honors that and feels good is hard and uncomfortable because there's no blueprint. Like I say this all the time. And I've had this conversation with many people, you know, like Kim, Saira and my friends in the space, especially people of color, like, um, who are, healing practitioners in this space and stuff. We have these conversations often because we're all trying to find how to do that. Like, how do we still stay in the space in a way that feels an integrity with all of that? And I don't think there's a simple answer. We don't have a roadmap, I, you know, it'd be nice if we did, but it requires, I think an important thing to remember is it's going to require making mistakes. <laughs> and I say this often, like there has to be room for mistakes because perfectionism 
is just another way to impede progress, right? It's just another thing that prevents us from making any progress or improving on anything if we can't even try because we're so afraid that it's not going to be perfect. Of course, it's not going to be perfect. (laughs) And this is like a really hard thing to contend with, especially if you're like a perfectionist person, you know, all these reasons you said, like you, like, I don't do well with confrontation. I don't, I don't like being confrontational either. You know, Um, I'm a perfectionist or a recovering perfectionist, like all these reasons. But then you realize like they are, they're just all ways to prevent us from growing, from making any progress. And I actually felt like it was important to share this earlier. And I feel like it's maybe a good time to bring it up now because I share it often. And I I just, I just think it's important. Like this road is very humbling, (laughs) you know, it's, it's, it's the willingness to be uncomfortable and look at ourselves first. Mostly we should mostly be looking at ourselves here (laughs) rather than like pointing at everybody else, which is what people do. Right. But it's like, where can I be better? Where, where am I missing things? What am I not seeing? And I share this often that like, this was years ago. This was like pre-2020, I feel like. Maybe it was like 2018 or something. But, you know, when Black Lives Matter started and I shared this post too, and I think it was maybe one of the first ones that we, I remember you commented on it and we kind of connected over this as well. But Black Lives Matter was starting. And as an Asian person married to a Black man with biracial children, (laughs) I felt, I just, I didn't think about it, honestly. And I said something, I posted something on Facebook or something. And it said, I ended it with all lives matter. Even though like my point was like, I actually was supporting, I think the mission, the, (laughs) what black lives matter is about, but I ended it by saying all lives matter. And I didn't give it much thought. I just like, that's what came out first. And then later on, it's like, as I learned more, as more was coming to light, if you will, (laughs) I was like, holy shit. I realized how problematic that was. I just didn't see that before. I wasn't aware of it. And this is like what all this work is about. This is what we're doing, right? And I was like, oh my God, I see how crazy problematic that is. I felt horrible. And I obviously cringed. Like that was one huge cringe moment that I was like, oh my God, I need to go back. (laughs) My first impulse was like, I need to go back and delete that shit. Like no no one can see that. God forbid, I don't even know what my husband's family was thinking when they saw that or something, you know, all these things. But then I just had this moment and it was really scary. I remember my heart was pounding. I was so nervous, but something in me was like, you have to, you have to speak on this. Like rather than delete it, you need to speak on this. And I, I just shared that. I was like, look, I'm a person of color. I'm married. My own family is black. And I made this mistake. Like I didn't see. And it's just like, I just didn't know better before. I just didn't know. I wasn't aware, but it just shows that like all of us can be like this oblivious to things. We all have blind spots, which is why, by the way, I could never buy that. It's like, this is why when I look at like a white person who feels like they have no work to do, I'm just like, I roll my eyes because there's no way, you know, we all have a ton of work to do in this space. So I just think first and foremost, it's the willingness. It's the willingness to like be uncomfortable. It's the willingness to be humbled and to make all the mistakes. And the last thing I wanted to share is like that whole experience with that woman that I talked shared about earlier, who was like my mentor. I ended up being grateful for it in the sense that actually it was from that experience that my mission was born for my brand, my business. It wasn't that before. It, it always was like a value of mine, but it it forced me to put, put a huge stake in the ground. And I was really afraid to do it. It took me a while to like commit to that as a mission. I was like, am I going to say I'm about this? Because 
I got to, I got to really be about it then. And by the way, I don't know what the fuck that looks like because I don't really have any examples. (laughs) All I see in this whitewashed wellness space is all the shit that I have issues with. And I don't know what I'm doing. You know, I just had to admit, I was like, I don't really know what I'm doing. And it was really scary to like put that stake in the ground. But all I can say is like, I'm trying, I care and I'm trying. And that's all that matters. It's like, do you give a shit? (laughs) And are you just trying? And some days our effort, our trying doesn't look perfect. You know, I'll admit it too. There's a time when I was like resisting feeling my emotions to all these things. I was resisting, like digging into the research, you know, but at some point I know I'll do it. I'm it's like, I'm trying my best, <laughs> you know, that's all we can say. I think also your mission statement, the way I feel like I saw a preliminary version of it and then it evolved, like you kind of cemented it a bit after that. And I, yeah, I haven't seen anything like that. You know, that's so unabashedly centering BIPOC and the reclamation of ancient spiritual practices, you know, tying it back to where they actually came from and just like the logistical things of making it more affordable for people of BIPOC identities. And yeah, there is no blueprint. That's new. Like That's very, you know, it's like, it's, it's, it's wonderful. And I think the way you lead with joy. And I've always said this about you, like joy and laughter, not in like a, like a, Oh, let me just pull the silver lining out of everything. But I think first and foremost, the laughter at like to your own self, right. And the ability to be humble about yourself and to not be so attached to coming off like a certain perfect way. And like, it was, you got to see it at your first event a couple of weeks ago, right? You got to see it live, like your mission statement come to life in, in like its first sort of public moment, real life moment. And I guess that is the way we keep moving forward with acts like that and um, efforts like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I just think it's, um, it's like, all we can say is like the willingness to keep, to keep trying, right. To keep going. It's like, we can't just give up and give in to like, well, that's the way it is. And you can't, you can't keep giving passes, right. Giving passes. And also, also we can't just keep giving up the things that are important to us, like walk. And, and, you know, this is obviously no criticism at all. Like I know that, especially for you walking away from like the yoga stuff was, there were many factors too, but, and who knows, maybe you'll find your way more back to it to it at some point, but it's like, yeah, we can't just like, it's like, why, again, why should we just give up and like walk away from those things? You know? And I think looking back, reflecting on this whole journey now, I think that's the consistent message I've kept getting and why I keep getting the hits to keep going and like, keep speaking up and just keep trying. You just got to try because they're like, this is too sacred. This is too important for you to give up in a way, it'd be like giving up your soul, totally. you know? (laughs) And like, in that sense, then it's won. The oppression has won. The bright supremacy has won. And joy to me is a big piece of that. That's why I lead with it. You know, it's like, I always say our joy is our resistance. Cause if we, when, when we let people, whoever the forces like take that from us, it's like, you know, it's just taking parts of our humanity, all those things, our joy, our ability to care. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We have to just keep, you know, I didn't do yoga for myself for a while. You know, I think it was like 
like a bad breakup kind of thing. And then um, as I started to mm-hmm. <laughs> like go get back on the mat and would have those like deep connective practices that like I, that initially made me fall in love with it. It was so sad, you know, because it's like, oh, this, this, this is what has been meaningful to me. And this is what I genuinely was trying to bring to people through my work. And, and I'm sure you did, by the way, you did bring that. That's what you brought to the table. I mean, I, yeah, I think, I, I think so. Like that direct, like person to person connection was real. And, but yeah, there is, there was a part of me that was, I I got beaten down by, you know, it was just like, fine, you push me out. Like, I'm not, I'm tired of like, and it was not just race for me. It was also like being a mom in that world was just really, it didn't fit like the, at least the way my life had been set up. Not, of course, there are plenty of mothers and parents that are yoga teachers, but it just didn't like fit with what I was doing. Um, But I do feel like I, and it's still in repair. Like I will say that it's, um, I'm still re like getting reacquainted with my practice, but like the mad, I know that the magic of that is real and it's still there, you know? And even just like, actually when I started teaching and had to, I found myself just negotiating my class rate or whatever with, um, like a studio I taught, I was like, oh man, it's taking something pure and I'm having to like put a capitalistic like taste onto it. You know, there's that already, but, um, yeah, yeah. (laughs) But, um, yeah, it's like, we have to keep staying, I guess, like present, even though that's such an overused word, but with what, like what we are feeling intuitively, what we, care about what we what brings us joy what um what is important to us and just keep trying to speak to that I think and I think the more I I did a I did a podcast recording yesterday with somebody who um had never really had any conversations about her Asian identity outside of just like like her partner and like close friends, maybe she never taken it to any sort of more public facing platform. And she was very like afterward, I, she, we had a really wonderful conversation, but afterwards she was a bit like, Oh, I I'm very, I'm still <laughs> trying to figure out how to express myself when it comes to this, you know? And yeah, I come, I totally get it. I think our voice notes to each other help. Like when we you know when you're saying things like a lot, and I say this to you, you a lot. Oh, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I know you know this already. I'm just like practicing, articulating it. So in in that same way, like I, I know and think that the more we have these kinds of conversations, the more we can call in, yeah, our industry because mm. that's the only way forward too. Because I think we have uh, the frustration and the anger is real on our end. But if it just yeah. leads to finger pointing and more divisiveness, like if nothing is going to actually evolve, nothing is going to get better. We're just going to be pushed on opposite sides. And that's like not the answer either. Yeah. But if we don't talk about it, like it's just going to s- stay 
or stay as bad, bad as it is or worsen. So yeah. yeah, I hope people receive conversations like ours with like many grains of salt that like we are speaking from our personal experiences and sharing our personal feelings. Um, but very open to calling people from all different identities in if they want to have the dialogue, you know, cause like, it's not also like, like, again, going back to my husband, just for a moment, I'm not like, Oh, I hate, I hate all white people. You know, it's like, it's not that at all. Like I'm married yeah. to you and I love you and I love I know. you. <laughs> Right, right. And you heard your right. children so are half like, making, come on. When you call out like a systemic issue, whether it's in our country right. or in our, a specific mm-hmm. industry, it's not like you are bad yeah. and you go be, go over there. We kick you out from being bad. Like, no, like, like what we're emphasizing is yeah. our shared humanity. And like the first step from that has to be. Yeah. Talking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, and I agree that we're, we're more and more and more realizing that so many of the things we're talking about that are problematic are the systems and the structures, not necessarily like individual people. Like, yes, I know they get called out, but it's like, those things are all a product of the point is we are all a product of. And so again, going back to like everyone having blind spots and all those things, it's like, it's because we're a product <laughs> of these systems and just acknowledging that like we've been swimming in the water forever. (laughs) You're not going to see the water yet, (laughs) you know, until, okay, I'm frozen again, but until it's like brought to light. So it's just, yeah, you know, um, yeah, yeah. I think just the, the willingness, the willingness to look at these things and have the conversations to deeper understand. The water um, analogy is really good. I think I've shared this with you before. Um, again, from my, one of my yoga teachers, Eric Schiffman, where he says, we're all little waves in the same ocean thinking we're separate individual waves, but we're actually all the ocean. <laughs> it's like, it's like, you're a little, you're a little wave over here. thinking yeah, you're different exactly from that, that little wave over there, but, uh, you're all the same ocean. <laughs> you're all in the same water. Yeah. But to be able to talk about that without exactly. the whole, like, Love and light bypassing, right? It's so hard. Yeah, it's just like, I mean, it's even when you say that concept alone, I feel like it's self-explanatory because Mm. it means someone else's pain Mm. is felt like you should feel that. (laughs) Yeah. You know, for all the ocean. Thank you so much for having this conversation. Thank you. I'm so grateful just for the opportunity, like for you giving me the safe space because, you know, I, as I shared with you before we hit record, like I was nervous about this conversation for all the reasons we talked about and, but I knew it needed to happen. And I feel like this is the perfect way to have that like safe, open conversation. So, Aww, so thank, thank you. Ruby. Um, yeah, it's good. And I'm sure we'll, um, move back into our private voice notes to further dissect everything we talked about, <laughs> but, um, yeah. <laughs> That's what we like to do. All right. Talk to you soon. Thanks so much for joining us on Voices on the Side. I know that you have so many podcasts to choose from, and there's so much going on in everyone's lives. So it really means a lot to have your support. 
If you can take a couple extra moments to subscribe and rate and maybe even drop us a review, it would help us so much to get this fledgling podcast out into the world. Take good care and see you soon.